0: Welcome to the great podcast session. I'm Shivani Muthyala. In the last two decades, you know, the BFSI sector has undergone so many shifts and changes. And especially coming to the payment sector, we have witnessed a huge growth during the pandemic. Agreed? And machine learning, along with the vast amounts of digitalized data, there was a sudden influx in the convenient alternative payment modes, whether it be through online banking or e-wallets or mobile payments or even for that matter, prepaid cards. So when we talk about the future of variable payment technologies and biometric track trends, there is a still long way to go. So to elaborate more on the payment space, we have Sachin Lala, who is Senior Director of Engineering at Blackhawk Network, India. So let's welcome our speaker for the day. Hi, Sachin. How are you doing?
1: Hey, Shivani. Yep, thanks for inviting me. Uh, I'm doing good.
0: Great. You know, uh, it's a pleasure having you here on Analytics Inside podcast. So uh, before we dive deep into the topic, we would like to know what uh, Blackhawk is all about.
1: Sure, Shivani. Blackhawk is about uh, a lot of things. Uh, centered around the essence of gifting and incentive solutions. So we are a company which has a couple of different types of offerings covering a pretty large breadth across 25 plus different countries. We have commerce solutions which are in both B2C and B2B form. Uh, Typically, you will find that we have websites that we would have as direct-to-consumer sites like giftcards.com, wherein Blackhawk provides a very good suit of different different brands, offering their gift cards for the customers to accordingly purchase and utilize. Uh, We also provide a network in which uh, you could walk into a different set of stores and purchase the gift cards in physical form or in digital form. Digital form, of course, would also be available in different types of websites, as well as more recently, we have invested time into mobile solutions as well. So these are some of the things that would be there in the broad umbrella of commerce both from B2B and B2C standpoint, as well as we have over the last one and a half year, uh, pioneered into the space of really what we have as different types of digital wallets, how to load them and how to spend money from them with respect to providing a more seamless and secure experience for the customers when they are purchasing literally any kind of goods in merchandising stores, right? There's also an array of different incentive solutions, which could be of the form of employee benefits programs, and uh, different reward programs uh, that we also engage with on an enterprise level uh, with different companies. So that's pretty much I think the essence of different things that we do, and uh, with the very centerpiece being gift cards.
0: Great. You know happy to know about the company and uh, its you know specializations, but you know could you also tell our listeners what are you know the unique services that the company actually is offering?
1: Sure. So I think uh, look at it this way, Uh, the network part of Blackhawk Network name itself, I think captures that main point, which is that we have a pretty good comprehensive, large retail network, which covers uh, what we call as typically our partners or more specifically distribution partners. Uh, And we connect different distribution partners to different content partners. So to put it into perspective, you could be having a chain of stores, which is belonging to one common umbrella Of a distribution partner, a particular brand, and they are looking for being able to also facilitate gift cards to be sold. So we provide that connection for those different retail stores to be able to procure and sell the gift cards from different content partners, which are the actual companies issuing the cards or collaborating with somebody to issuing the cards. So Blackhawk is that middleware, which is basically containing a series of technical components to be able to connect a distribution partner, we call them just DP, with a CP, which is a content partner. So at the very really heart of it, it's about connecting the DPs with the CPs and being able to facilitate commerce. right? So that's there. And within that, of course, we'll have uh, an area of solutions, which could be pure back-office solutions. Some of the distribution partners would come to us purely for activation flows. And accordingly, we have systems which can do the switching routing and processing of the gift cards. At the same time, there could be distribution partners coming who would be looking for a full solution, wherein we will contribute to either preparing a set of uh, sub websites within their main web presence, or we could be providing an overall solution through which they can do commerce of gift cards. right? And all of these things that we do uh, with respect to both the back office and front office solutions uh, do contain some very important elements with respect to how to make it secure. And that's a very centerpiece also of whenever we are doing any kind of DP and CP connection, right? So there's a uh, certification process that we would go through, uh, which also accordingly is operationalized to a very large degree. And accordingly, that helps us to be able to seamlessly keep onboarding newer merchants and and different content partners onto the platform, right? We have capabilities, which could be helping doing aggregation of cards. There are capabilities, which is about uh, a level of curation, cleansing, and making sure that the, ultimately the experience that our customers get is delightful and is as fast as possible right so that's typically the areas in which accordingly we invest and provide this whole connection and the retail network in which various partners could be there i hope amazing
0: and yeah. as senior director of uh, you know engineering could you tell mm-hmm. us more about you know what are your key responsibilities
1: uh definitely uh i think it has two parts shivani one is uh uh, very importantly, the journey we are going through from last one and a half to two years, which is about uh, establishing Black Hawk's presence in this part of the world, India and the overall subcontinent, within which one of the very important initiative is the Strategic Development Center that is uh, in Bangalore. So uh, a part of my time and definitely a large part of the journey has been about uh, really building the engineering and product talent for the office and being able to uh, create an impact with what we have as a great talent in, in the overall Indian subcontinent, right? So that's one part of my responsibility to really uh, contribute and help our leadership with respect to uh, creating the right level of structure and different teams in a lean and agile way who can both transition on what exists in Blackhawk as well as being able to create certain newer solutions. So that's broadly one part of the responsibility. Second one is really at a, more global level to be able to take Blackhawk more into mobile commerce space. So we have been building a set of solutions for that, one of which is called as ScanIt, which is about uh, basically providing an experience to the customers wherein they could walk into stores, see a QR code there, scan the QR code, get an array of uh, different gift cards that they can purchase from, and accordingly being able to do that in a complete digital form. So the mobile commerce solutions we put it typically, and we also call it as payment solutions mainly, is segregated into like three major work streams. One we call it simply scan it, which is about purchasing gift cards. We provide both the customer experience as well as the merchant experience in the fine form of web apps and mobile apps. Then there is something we call as the load it, which is about partnering with uh different service providers and content partners, wherein digital wallets could be loaded through the Black Hawk network. And third is really spend it which is about uh, being able to have disbursements being done from the different wallets that a customer could be holding when they are visiting literally, let's say the grocery store and uh, accordingly needing to make some payments, right? So the presence of these three solutions, Scanit is something which is uh, more or less into the global footprint now. We have presence in both the Americas region and in the APAC region. And in the upcoming quarter, we are looking into also establishing this in the European region. Uh, Load it and spend it. however, are more currently uh, US country based and gradually we'll be looking into expansion of that. Right? So these two are really my uh, where my time goes and where my responsibilities belong, which is one, our India SDC growth and two, the overall mobile commerce solutions we want.
0: Sounds interesting, you know, and happy to know about, Kenneth. So, uh, you know, the pandemic has hit industries and, you know, at the same time, it has boosted many industries as well. So especially when talking about the payment sector, people have been very keen towards, you know, going cashless these days after the pandemic hit. So definitely pandemic has transformed this sector to a great heights. We would like to know how, in what ways, uh, do you think this pandemic has increased to the digital payments?
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, something which I find both good and bad, as in uh, we have been all working, I think, across the industry, distanced from each other. That has definitely... Uh, caused certain newer ways to be explored and done uh, has an element of fatigue if you don't watch for it, burnouts and all. So we have experienced all of those challenges in the last uh, uh, year or so with respect to what pandemic has been doing. On the brighter side, though, uh, this is also a phase wherein I think in a very different way, people have come together, teams have come together in a much more lean and effective way uh, to, to be able to think about what could be done and what new we could be doing, which could actually uh, prevent the need for doing any physical transports and travels, right? So, and accordingly being able to provide pure digital experiences, very timely. In that sense, we got the sponsorship for evolving the mobile solutions. We started with India and then we, uh, uh, reached out into Indonesia and gradually expanded into other regions. Uh, that's something that, uh, as a team, as a group, we were able to take forward with a very good support with respect to the sensitivity that, yes, we need to definitely go more digital because customers would look for more and more of that phenomenon now uh, with what is required with respect to the distancing aspects and really not needing to go physical. So that's there. And in that sense, definitely when I look into, let's say, the customer traffic and their uh, means of how they are shopping and even what our merchants are looking for. For us, both are very, very important entities. One is really what the customer would be doing. Absolutely always customer number one. At the same time, when it comes to the Black context, it's also very important what we provide as the experience for onboarding and being able to have the merchants being able to manage their staff, manage their assets, manage their transactions and everything. So we invested into that aspect as well so that they don't also have to do anything which has any uh, physicality dependencies on it, rather they can also get digital solutions. In that spirit, we developed mobile solutions which merchants can use and we can make the onboarding very seamless Even with some of our traditional ways of doing things before, uh, a good amount of investment has gone into in the form of uh, the product effort to really make those onboarding processes, which could sometimes literally run into weeks to bring them into days. And we continue to optimize that. So these two broad areas, I think, are very important that one has to watch for in the digital era and how things are evolving. Definitely, the customer experiences to become more and more digital form. And secondly, any kind of onboardings and workflow management for the merchants also to be digitized to the maximum degree possible. So those are some of the learnings and observations and how the pandemic has been going or kind of having some good effects also in, in the form of digitizing things.
0: Great. And very rightly pointed out. And, you know, happy to see how Blackhawk is actually expanding across, you know, countries. So as you spoke about the digital payments, do you think that the advancement of, you know, the data science as well as the mobile technology has also boosted it and accelerated the growth?
1: Definitely, Shivani, that's a very relevant point and uh, something which uh, one has to also very pragmatically, carefully embrace, right? So First things first, I think these things are uh, less of optional now, more of important. The degree to which you absorb and include any kind of uh, science calculations into your workflows or purchase flows is is the one where I would say one has to pragmatically look at it uh, because it can give you some surprises as well. Uh, At the same time, uh, I think it's very important to embrace it. So I think to structure it a bit and to put it in the perspective and in the context of Blackhawk. Uh, we have invested into when it comes to data science, particularly to make sure that when a customer goes through a checkout experience, right, we be able to ensure that that's secure to the degree possible. Number one. Number two, that we be able to do a due diligence with respect to what could be the risks that could be there with a given transaction. So what I mean by that is some of that is very standard to really say that there's a flow control on traffic there is allow list and uh, prevent list kind of mechanisms put in so that we do not get any bot attacks and other such things on the sites. Uh, But when it comes to, let's say, a a very regular customer traffic also coming in, it's very important to look into each of those transactions and see is there any risk element in it. So we brought in the concept of risk scoring with respect to our checkout experience, which will be something that we govern by a level of threshold and a risk approval rate. Uh, And that's where data science has come in very handy. We have invested into a few different models and experimented with them, tested them through months, and then accordingly brought them into uh, the customer journey to be able to say, does this transaction look fine? Is it high on risk score or low on risk score? Accordingly, should it just automatically proceed with the checkout or should it undergo a level of review before it is actually uh, enabled for activation? These controls have become paramount important in the Uh, expansion that's going on with the digital space. So that's where we have so far invested into data science. In the future, we look into inventory management and series of other things wherein we think it will be beneficial. Also to simply provide a more personalized experience to our customers. We are yet to invest more into that area. Coming to mobile solutions, we found it very relevant that when it comes to the merchants and them being able to self-serve their needs uh, is where we found uh, a very good opportunity to be able to establish mobile solutions. And definitely uh, from a customer standpoint, being able to provide as lightweight an app experience through which you don't need to literally install something. You can just go to an M site through a scan of a QR and accordingly can purchase things, right? So that's really where we have invested into the mobile space. It has been received pretty well. And we are looking at uh, continuing to do that a lot more, right? So both of these are very important. uh, And we have picked up specific areas to start with. And I think into the Coming year, we'll have definitely a lot of expansion for both of these and their integration into different systems.
0: Thanks, Sachin, for you know briefly elaborating on that. Sure. It was actually very informative. So, since we are talking about uh, you know payment technologies, what kind of innovative payment solutions do you think uh, you know we can expect in the near future?
1: Sure, uh, it's a kind of a sizable topic of its own. I'm just going to cover one or two, or maybe three things quickly. Manish, Shivani, the very fact of uh, how much you have to type when you are literally on a mobile phone versus how much you can do through clicks and scans is what the tendency or overall consumer journeys are more or less switching to, right? So QR code is a very important aspect to be really hence investing into and making that as something in which you can uh, have both the equivalent compatible things available. One, which is to say that there are QR codes that you could scan. Second is that there are these uh, short URLs and things like that one can provide attached to those QRs in which customers can rather do more clicks and uh, simple typing versus needing to go through any kind of fatigue. That's very important. Second is innovations with respect to content, right, on how we could bring in more relevant content and accordingly do uh, analytics on it to be able to, uh, provide a more curated and very clear segmented or personalized experience to the customers. I think that's something that is has a series of innovations that one can do in that area, in, in very simple terms, to be able to provide relevant products for a customer to really see versus getting to see a lot of things and then figuring out a way to navigate through that, right? So that's an area in which there is a lot of scope for further innovation and doing the things, both in the form of relevant search personalization, recommendations, so on and so forth, right? So that's there. Uh, The next step would be, again, I'll emphasize on the security aspects. There's a lot of innovation further to be done in that space, being able to keep up to what really the non-ethical hacking world side of the world could be doing. It's very important to keep up to that and look into various permutations that could be happening uh, with respect to any kind of attacks or things that could be going on. Making the systems resilient towards that is very important, and there is Lot of innovation one can do in that both in the form of data science models, as well as in the form of plane detection and kind of gathering data across the regions so that one can do geo-detections and accordingly uh, contextualize the data and everything as the experience for the customers. Last but not the least, everything is in the cloud now or needs to be in the cloud with respect to the scale that different sites need to have. There is uh, the point over there is that there is so much choice of components that one could be Going with uh, it takes a good level of uh, depth and research to be figuring out what is important and good for a given solution to be using. And in that, I think there is again innovation uh, required and more work to be done with respect to making it simple, right? When I say simple, which is about uh, like what level of sophistication you could have, and sophistication in the form of automation, wherein you are able to measure your solutions to say that, yes, uh, how fast can we adapt to a change? Uh, As much as a given application, a team, a solution is able to do that, that's really the differentiator. And there's a lot of innovations one can do within that space and literally question that if I'm doing something which is requiring me to be doing certain manual steps with respect to deployments, with respect to the cloud solution on how they are talking to each other, the security aspects, there is good amount of innovations and automations that one could be doing in that space as well. Right. So those are some of the areas I think I would highlight, uh, particularly for the gift card commerce space that we need to continue to uh, evolve and uh, accordingly innovate.
0: Thanks, Sachin. uh, Thanks for highlighting about, you know, QR code or innovations with regard to the content or whether it be, you know, the security aspects or even with the cloud. So uh, when we talk about the trends in technology, whether Mm -hmm. it be artificial intelligence or be it as you spoke just now about the cloud or analytics, you know, the technology has been booming like never before these days. So how is Blackhawk leveraging these uh, particular technologies such as AI, cloud and analytics?
1: Yep, uh sure. I'll share with you. Uh, I think on the AI space, we have uh, 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 a journey ahead. Uh, it's not something in which I think uh, we would yet basically say that we are uh, having it inherent part of it. Uh, but yes, in due course of time, we do. Our journey has begun, though, where I talk about risk scoring. That's a definitely an important area that we have gotten into, and that's where a level of AI is involved. In the future, it would be coming to also Uh, the personalizations, recommendations, and different search capabilities that we could be having on the sites and taking that forward. I think what is more important for us when we are saying the different technologies that we are using is really harnessing the technical solutions on how much we can make the workflows to be self-served. And that's something that we hence call it as the DIY, do-it-yourself overall concept, right? So the toolkit that we provide to our uh, partners in the form of merchants and agencies and also literally the the folks on the operation side within Blackhawk itself, right? It's very important on how much technology can be used to optimize those workflows. Because at the end of the day, to establish, launch a new business or get into a new country, it takes a series of things with respect to studying what the regulations over there would be, what type of opportunities exist. Accordingly, you reconcile with what technical stack that you have through which you could solve it. Now, that whole onboarding process becomes much more seamless if you have invested into the required tools through which basically self-serve could be happening. right? So I think that's where I would say is an uh, important aspect of where we should be and are uh, in investing and are looking into. On the other hand, I think when you talk about the uh, some of the things that we could leverage, I don't think I'll go into any proprietary names and stuff. I think that may not be relevant. The more important thing is that when we talk about, for example, analytics, right? there could be two, three forms of it. One is purely what we are collecting and knowing real time, what's happening. Second is to be able to look into what are the different patterns of choices and drop-offs that the customers could be having or, uh, liking or not liking. We being able to interpret that not per se by saying that we are doing any crowdsourcing, uh, surveys or so, but rather simply, uh, collecting data in the form to know what could be patterns that are existing, where we could make improvement and make it a better experience for customers. So collecting that kind of analytics is also important apart from pure real time analytics about what orders and what type of brands and stuff is selling. The third is to being able to accordingly then churn all of this data into a form of a large data warehouse, wherein inferences could be drawn. And accordingly, we being able to create capacity and different types of reporting and analytic capabilities through which we could ascertain what are the main insights for a given country, for a given distribution partner, for a given channel type, and so on and so forth, and accordingly bring in the right technology. Uh, as a company, I don't find us any point of time constrained by that, okay, only there is this one language stack or one particular thing to really utilize. Yes, it's a given that we are geared towards making everything new to be completely cloud-based, But apart from that, when it comes to making choices at the level of language, be it uh, the UI or the backend languages or what type of data stores have to be used, uh, there is a pretty good flexibility that uh, is available there. And based on what type of structured or unstructured data that you're dealing with, we make the required choices and take that forward. At the same time, we respect the legacy. What exists, uh, FinTech itself, commerce itself is now aging. It's not that it's just a couple of years of phenomenon. Now it runs into uh, several years. So we do have our share of also legacy components which need to undergo modernization. And that's where sometimes we get constrained upon that, okay, one has to particularly use this language or this technology only to do something. And we accordingly try to evolve that either in the form of more micro nano services or being able to evolve it at least to develop more capabilities on how some decomposition could be done so that refactoring and change is possible, right? So it's not treated to any one specific technology in that sense. Uh, we find uh, that there is very good support for us to be able to take any kind of new technology which is relevant for a good solution for anything new. For existing ones, yes, we do go through some level of uh, change management to achieve that.
0: Great, great, perfect. Yeah. So uh, as you also spoke about, you know, the Black Hawks Network Strategic Development before, so uh, what, you know, which is actually aiming to create innovative payment solutions as you spoke about, could you uh, tell us more about that?
1: Sure, definitely. So I think we'll take a quick step back there, right? If you look into payments as such, right, it would definitely have a couple of forms. One is that, uh, so when we say, I'm looking for something digital, we need to be able to really take that one workflow, break it down into a bit more to really see which steps really need that aspect, right? So in that spirit, there could be customers who need the experience to be digital, right? But they probably still would like to do, cash-based purchase and visit the shops and all, right? We do factor in that as one of the important use cases. So in that spirit, we would look into that, uh, apart from what traditionally you would have seen as barcodes for different uh, types of merchandise, which are more permanent in form, we create uh, an experience wherein customers could see a barcode being generated for a given gift card, which has a particular timer on it with respect to uh, keeping it secure and not something that can be compromised. And you being able to show that literally the barcode or the QR code to the merchant store, and then they can scan from it and complete the journey and the purchase, right? And you could be paying by cash. So that's uh, one aspect of cash purchase that we definitely still keep as a very important phenomenon for large retail stores and different countries where this continues to be an important way of doing payments. Now, switching to pure digital payments, what is important is to be able to see what level of commoditization exists in that, right? Do we need to, for example, completely do a gateway of our own or can we harness the gateways and processors that exist as uh, more reliable uh, kind of well-studied components in different countries? In that spirit, we don't localize ourselves to any one, uh, so to say, processor or gateway solution. We integrate based on which country we will have the best experience for the customers with respect to making digital payments. Accordingly, if I put India into context, we have provided a, provided a solution over the last one year where a customer could actually make a choice of a UPI, a credit card, uh, a, a wallet, right? On any of those to be able to see those options coming on their phone and accordingly paying through that, right? So that's one of the things that we have brought in into as a complete integration of a set of payment gateways with our commerce solutions, right? Now the gateway itself, could be different for different countries. It doesn't need to be any one. And that's how we really provided uh, configuration based uh, solutions wherein, as you enter a given country, you wire a set of things in the form of a program. And then, accordingly, being able to do those different digital integrations. And hence, at in summary, be able to coexist something which is a cache experience with a level of digitization done on it uh, from the choice of the card and the, uh, in the sense of how I explained the barcode part, or being able to completely do an online purchase and take that forward. And sometimes in some countries, it could be pure uh, website, which is driven by uh, an integration with uh, a a big player like PayPal and others, wherein one could be looking into simply subscribing to that particular wallet and paying through that, right? So that's, again, in the integration. So there there would be, hence, a flavor of both bespoke and very standard solutions that would exist to make that happen. And in SDC definitely, we are looking into... Uh, three or four major areas where we do it. One, which is we call as the first-party business, wherein singular cards could be sold on different sites, and we being able to provide uh, uh, a set of websites through which the customer experiences could be done, and those are integrated with the respective gateways uh, in those countries. Then there could be what we call as the multi-brand third-party experiences, which is there in both mobile form and web form. In that, definitely the area of choices has to be a lot more and accordingly compatible with what that merchant is looking for as well, right? So those are things that we study accordingly, provide those customized solutions as well based on different merchant needs.
0: Great, and thank you so much for, you know, uh, give, you know explaining it very briefly along with examples. So uh, what kind of professionals, you know, and the skills do you think will be in mm-hmm. demand in your organization post pandemic? Sure,
1: uh, that's a great question. Uh, The good news is the breadth at which we are operating and the depth also is something which benefits from uh, a very rich set of profiles, right? So for Blackhawk Network, particularly the way our India uh, SDC office has evolved, comes to number one, very importantly, for missionary uh, product owners and product managers to be able to come in, bring in the context of multi-geo form and being able to take a subdomain and take that forward. Right? So we have a very good structure which uh, empowers uh, a product community to be able to get uh, very good integration with different business channels in different countries. And that's a very centerpiece of the talent that we look for. right? So that's very important for each scrum team, for each product line. We would always have the uh, product owners who would be really buffering and simplifying what comes out as sometimes pretty ambiguous requirements or one-liners that need to be translated. So that's an important capability of skill set that we look for. Next up is definitely the very heart of it, which is about the engineers in the form of both back-end, front-end, as well as the full stack engineers who would be doing the core solutioning and the doing the how part of it. right? So uh, within that, we look for the orientation that somebody could be having. There'll be folks who are really deep experts in distributed system space. So that is something that is very important for us to be able to scale and evolve systems that can really stand the test of time. So we'd look for a lot of that at uh, any point of time that could be typically in Java, Python, .NET, these are some of the language stacks that we look into for the backend set of, uh, skills that folks could be having then purely front end, uh, which would be in the form of angular framework, react framework, Vue framework, some of these that we look at that, could be bringing that to a table depending on whether you are developing an external facing website or an internal portal some of the technical equations could change Uh, but that's a very important set of uh, talent also that we uh, look for and is there in our office the next step is something in the middle which is a different orientation right as in which is about being able to uh, navigate across both sides of the spectrum when evolving a solution and being able to overall also gradually uh, put things together and have a lot more focus on the design elements of it, and being able to navigate across both front end and back end. So that's like the engineering one part of it. The other thing is, super important is that uh, as we are developing the products, we keep it in our very consciously in the checklist that there will be product security engineers who will consciously look into doing certain ethical hacking and uh, helping the product evolve in a way wherein anything that can go wrong has been looked into from security standpoint. So the specific focus is that, and that's where we have. Uh, Also, positions and folks uh, who would be coming in with that specific skill, right? As I'm proud to say that some of the security engineers that we have, they have very strong background of being able to actually uh, find bugs and issues in some very well-known brands as well. And they are in our office uh, working with us to make the solutions more robust. So product security engineers is another one. DevOps, super important. And within DevOps, there is, I think, two, three parts of it. One, which could be purely cloud experts of, let's say, AWS uh, uh, stack. Uh, Folks who could be uh, experts probably not on the cloud uh, components itself, but rather into what takes things into production, which means the pipelines. right? Technologies like Jenkins, Travis, Circle, uh, these kinds of things is what we look into for some of the DevOps to come in and being able to provide the CI, CD capabilities, right? And those kinds of skills. Then there would be the thing about how do we test everything, right? And in that, there is need for both types of uh, engineers, one who could be coming in, taking a very good functional broad perspective into what the uh, requirement is, what needs to really happen, what is the specification for it, and being able to hence carve out a very clear uh, testing suit for it in the form of uh, what could be done manually and automated. And then hence that leads to pure QA engineers, as well as then SDETs, right? So SDETs, we look into that they be able to co-program with the developers and being able to accordingly create the test suits that can literally run every day and assert that, yes, everything is going fine. If any bugs are there, they are reported much earlier ahead of time in the cycle. And accordingly, we reduce the manual efforts of any kind of testing. So we have positions in both forms, which is about folks coming in and doing certain level of manual testing. Of course, our target state is to get to the point wherein Uh, there is a much larger emphasis on the automated testing. At this point, we have kind of both hand-in-hand going with the conscious effort more towards uh, automating and doing the testing in that manner. So that's there. And then there is uh, the thing about making sure that all of this is happening through a clear process and everybody's kept honest about it, right? And that's where we'll have agile coaches as well as Scrum Master roles and then program managers who really come up with the mission about streamlining things, both on the communication front making sure that uh, every kind of cascade is propagated across, distill that information, keep things connected, coordinate, and really uh, break impediments and reduce any impediments that could be happening while the new project is going on. So we have those kinds of positions as well, which is about the coordination either at a sub-product line or at a product line to be able to do that. Right, So I hope I've not missed anything, but yeah, these are typically things that we would look into. And last but not the least, right, as in the business operations and the IT operations, right? As in that's literally the backbone of what all of us could be doing, right? So infrastructure engineers, IT engineers is also something that we look into that they would be able to come in and ensure that the developer efficiency, engineering, product efficiency is there with respect to providing the right set of tools and the hardware through which all of that could be working. So that's another set of talent that we would look into. Great.
0: So this particular information is going to you know, benefit a lot of engineers, cloud experts, you know, experts and many of them who are actually listening to this podcast. And uh, you know, lastly, what advice would you like to give to the emerging and budding leaders who are actually wanting to step into the payment space?
1: Sure. Uh, I think some of this may be a bit opinionated. I'll just share my perspective. Uh, I think uh, here is how I'll put it. It's very important to First and foremost, uh develop a good understanding, do study of really what the financial model is involved, right? Ultimately, what we do as a company, a company like Blackhawk, is at the intersection of what typically would be called as financial technology versus pure e-commerce or e-commerce, right? So we are at that intersection. So this hence has a slightly higher demand on what a leader could be needing to keep a vantage point and know things. What that really implies is understanding what the financial model is. Uh, what is it that Blackhawk is doing when we say that we are creating a network, and what kind of commission models or settlement models that we could be having? Right. So, a background or a genuine interest in the financial elements I think is important from a domain standpoint. And uh, if you don't enjoy that, then you may find yourself struggling a bit with respect to understanding and doing things that could be going in this kind of company. So, it's important to have, if not a full skill, a genuine interest in uh, developing in the financial domain in general. Beyond that, it's about then you get into the next part of it, which is to say what type of solutions could be there that I'm coordinating and leading. That would be something you'll find a set of different personas. Each one of them is very important. A persona, which is really the customer, right? So that would you will find uh, in some of the organizations, you could be doing back office work, which means your persona and the users are really, let's say, either merchants or internal BHN operations, right? That itself also could be something which is very involved. And that requires uh, a very good ability on, I think, on two, three fronts. One is an ability to absorb information in a structured and fast way, uh, if possible. Uh, Being able to assimilate, cascade that, and accordingly simplify the workflows. Right, That kind of uh, perspective is required. Because at the end of the day, how fast we are able to do something is directly proportional to how much analysis goes in into simplifying things, right? So that spirit is very important. And accordingly, developing the skills in in that area is important to be able to distill information on what floats between the internal users versus external. When it comes to customers, being able to do a comparative analysis to look into a competitive uh, space wherein what is it that Blackhawk is doing? What is it that some of the other companies could also be doing and where we can take inspiration from, right? Having that open mind, is a softer set of skill, which is super important to be able to evolve products and being able to take Blackhawk to the next level, right? Now talking about a bit more technically, uh, I think it's important to have a, in general, first of all, a techno functional orientation. And within that, being able to say that, yes, I am uh, good at a set of things and I'm an expert at a one thing, right? So what we also encourage, hence our new engineers to be able to do is to first get deep and deep into one area, develop a good level of expertise into that, be conscious of what else is going on and then gradually expand, right? Not to do too much context switching. I think if, uh, and that's something that I think, uh, to be quite honest, is something that we need to also kind of keep improving and making better is that in the space when you have such a good mix of different uh, subdomains operating together, it's important that leaders have the number one ability to context switch. Uh, Sometimes that could be a lot of context switching, At the same time, being hence being able to streamline workflows wherein there could be focus groups more and more created. So purely from leadership that is expected to be able to create structures in which uh, folks don't find themselves uh, needing to switch between too many things too much of the time. But somebody will have to take the brunt of being able to streamline that to take things forward. At the more deep level, at the individual contributor level for different team members, it's very important to be really good at one thing and not get nervous or uh, think about that. I know this and somebody else knows this. That's not what how it should be looked into. What it should be looked into is, here is the value that I'm adding to a given team. Here is the skill that I bring to a given team and accordingly being able to use that. If somebody is a front-end engineer in pure play, that's their interest. There is enough space and growth for them. If somebody is a security engineer and that's really their expertise and that's what they want to do, we have enough problems to solve there as well or opportunities for us to explore. So I think that's the kind of the bit of the open-mindedness with which I think I would advise that folks should come forward with and take the teams forward. Uh, And last but not the least, uh, very important to do things in a process, right? So to, to be able to measure things, to be able to quantify that here is what we are putting as our KPIs or measures of success and accordingly being able to calibrate against that and continually improving in a very objective way, right? Because some things just work out, you do it in a brute force, but what that implies is next time also, it's going to take in probably an equal or even higher effort. What is important to do is to be able to create enough documentation process around things so that we can repeat and repeat with a less effort anything that we develop, right? So that orientation is also very important for uh, folks. And I think as you have those, you'll find yourself uh, being able to really contribute in a very effective way to the, in the type of journey that we're going through at Blackhawk.
0: Yeah. This piece of you know, advice is surely uh, very, very beneficial for all the emerging and budding leaders. Thank you so much, Sachin. It was really a pleasure talking to you and learning about Blackhawk. Waiting to see you know even more innovative solutions coming up from your end.
1: Definitely, It was great. And I think all uh, questions were great. And thanks for going through this. I hope some of this is helpful for folks and we can attract good talent and accordingly uh, create nicer solutions. Yep. So uh, happy to have that conversation. Kind of totally.
0: So, listeners, with this, we wind up our podcast for today. So, stay tuned to Analytics Insight for more such interesting podcasts.